Hello and welcome back to the home Bible study. I have to make sure I say that correctly. So, um, welcome. I'm glad that you've joined us. We're studying in the letter to the Hebrews. We have made it to chapter 11 and we're going through this chapter. I'm trying to be careful, go through it carefully to bring out as much as possible as I'm able to bring out because there's so much here that I know that I'm not able to bring out. Um, I just wanna try to do this wonderful uh, letter justice, particularly this um, chapter 11 because so many people are familiar with it. You know, uh, It's often called the roll call of the faithful and uh, there's been many wonderful lessons on this chapter. So I'm not attempting to uh, do anything other than to bring out as much truth as I possibly can as I study and as we study together. So hopefully you've enjoyed um, the study of this uh, letter. I know I have. It's been amazing. And uh, the things that I've learned and the things that I am learning are amazing. So praise the Lord for that and for his word and it's so important for us to study. Like I cannot put too much emphasis on the importance of us studying in the age that we live in. Everywhere you look, people are attacking the Bible and the word of God. And, you know, that's uh, challenging enough. But then you have these other people who just believe whatever. Anything and whatever comes across the pike, they just believe it. Like, oh, that's wonderful. If they, if you attach a, a Jesus label to it, then they believe it. And that's just as awful. Like, we need to know what the word of God says. And we need to understand and know the truth of the word so that we can uh, rightly represent the truth in our lives. Because... The world needs that. They need that witness and that testimony from us. It's so important to do that. So um, the only way we can accomplish that is by studying the word. And hopefully, as we study together through this letter, we're learning things. And if you are learning things, I would like to hear from you. Please let me know. Um, it's encouraging to me to hear from people and to learn and or to know what they're learning and to share the things that I'm learning. So feel free to, to reach out um, and share that information with me. But most of all, pray for me. Pray for this Bible study. Pray for believers across the world because we're all experiencing the same thing. Um, the Bible says that the challenges that we face are common to man. They belong to us. This is what we've been called to. And so... We need the word of God to stand on, to be encouraged and to encourage one another. So um, some of you have come in contact with this Bible study through the Instagram account. Um, if so, please say hello um, and just remember to pray for the word of God uh, be, to be preached and to be taught and to pray for the word of God to have its proper place in your life and in my life. That is the, the main thing that we should get out of uh, fellowship and um, uh, fellowship in the word and a fellowship with one another. So 
we can fellowship with one another in prayer. So with that said, I know that was a kind of a long introduction, but it's kind of been a day and the Lord has really been ministering to me about a lot of these things. So I'm hopeful that um, the purpose and the reason of that for that is because you needed it as much as I did, those encouraging words. So here we are in Hebrews chapter 11. And if you have your Bible, please open up and we're going to do a little review. Okay, so we're going to be studying um, Hebrews 11, verse 11 and 12. But we're going to do a little review of the things that we've covered so far, because I think there's something really interesting that we can see that I probably didn't bring out during the study, starting in verse one, when we started this um, faith chapter. So I'm hopeful that I can. Uh, point this out now and that it will be something that is a blessing to you to see as it was for me. So um, we're going to, we've looked at a lot of things here, starting from um, Hebrews 11 verse one, all the way through. And each, what the writer is doing here is he is uh, pointing out, he's doing a little mini history lesson to the Hebrews all of this information, these stories and these accounts were very, very familiar to these people. They grew up learning these things. It was a part of their culture. It was a part of who they were as a people, uh, the law, the prophets, and the fathers. So these would have been uh, very familiar accounts. But he's taking it to the next level because he's showing not only doing a summary, a history, historical summary of these people that have served the Lord in the past, but also he's pointing out how those people were bound together in one faith. Now, understand that there was people who would believe, because this is a transition point in history, where we're going from the Old Testament relationship to the New Testament relationship, right? We're moving from the old covenant to the new covenant in Christ and his blood. So this new thing called the church was born. And so originally there were no Gentiles at all in this church. Uh, after At the day of Pentecost, those were all Jewish, Jewish people. And the church was founded uh, by Jews. And so there was a, a transition that had to happen to carry them from the old covenant relationship to this new covenant relationship. And so here it is, the writer is tying their old covenant uh, relationship with God and the historical relationship that they had going as far back as Adam. Um, and he's tying that to these new things, these better things that we have now in Christ. And he does it so skillfully um god the holy spirit leads in this and i pray that god the holy spirit would lead us in seeing some of these things so i would like to kind of point out some of the parallels that the author has already shown between the old covenant relationship with god and this new covenant relationship in christ and the point of it all is to say it's the same god it's just a better relationship. That's what Hebrews is about. Better things. This is what we had before. Now we have better things. So he kind of he starts off um, 
and he says in uh, Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we get a definition of faith. And it says in verse 2, For by it the elders obtained a good report. So here we see the first parallel. The elders, the ones that he's talking about, these people who are the foundation of the nation, they earned a good report. Well, yeah, because when they look back, they think Abraham, Moses, all of these people that are mentioned here were, they have a good report. Like they are well thought of because they lived a life uh, that exemplified a life of faith. And that's what he's saying. Now, uh, I'm going to use these people as an example to show how that faith that they had is the same faith that we must live by. And so the parallel is to Christians where they, the elders obtained a good report with Christians. What is the parallel? We want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, right? So the common denominator between both of those time periods, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is faith. That's the parallel that's being drawn. So then we see in uh, the next verse, he says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So here we see faith in the power of the word of God and the power of the word in creation, particularly. That's what it's talking about, the word of God and how he called things into existence out of nothing. Well, the parallel to the Christian faith there is the gospel. The gospel is the power of the word of God in the new creation. The gospel brings us into this new relationship with the Lord Jesus, and that's where our new life comes from, the word of God and the gospel message. So you see he's drawing these parallels. In uh, verse 4, where he talks about Abel, we, we looked at that. Uh, the life of Abel, and and that's faith in the sacrificial offering, right? Because that's what Abel did. He brought the correct sacrificial offering in contrast to his brother. Well, how is that a parallel to what we have now? Well, that's a picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of uh, the people. So, so that's, uh, here we see a precursor in the sacrifice pointing to Jesus, the very one that was uh, died on the cross on behalf of all of those whom God gave him, uh, the Lamb of God. So we see that, that correlation there. Next, we see the witness of faith in uh, verse 5, where we learned about Enoch, right? And the end of faith, he had a witness and the end result of a life of faith was uh, displayed in Enoch. You know, he witnessed and he was translated, right? That's what happened to him. Now, where's the parallel with Christianity and where we are today? Well, we run a race set before us. Each one of us has a race just for them. God has marked out a race just for you, just for me. That's, that's the way it's set. And he said it before us because we have to run that race. And we are translated in Christ from death to life. That's the picture that Enoch gives us of uh, being translated from uh, one place to another place. And Jesus has translated us from death to life by the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit and the word of God. So here we see the same 
uh, themes over and over again. We got the word of God. We have the ministry of God. And and the key to Enoch was fellowship. Remember, God said he walked with God and then God took him. So that's fellowship with God through faith. So a walk of faith is going to translate us from one place to another through a steady progression and all through the fellowship with God through faith. So you see these correlations that are being made to our everyday Christian life. So don't look at this as, well, that was, you know, a long time ago and it applies just to the Hebrew people. No, because it's the same God. It's the same witness and the same testimony. And we're bound by this faith. In verse six, we saw it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we see here that faith is always evidenced by belief. The two must go together. Faith, the evidence of faith is belief. That's those two things go together. And it says that you have to believe that God is a rewarder of the one that seeks him. So we seek him in the word. We seek his wisdom. We seek his guidance. And that's through faith. That's how we have access. And, and the evidence of faith is belief. In verse 7, we saw uh, about Noah. And Noah, we saw the action of faith, right? Noah was warned and he took action. He did what God told him to do. Uh, and believing, he was saved via an ark. So we can't miss the clear um, uh, parallel to the fact that Noah and his family were saved through an ark and that being a precursor to the mercy seat, the ark that was the ark of the covenant. So, so you see how that this writer to the Hebrews is making these parallels so that we can see that um, faith is faith the same yesterday, today, and forevermore because God is the same. And though the covenant and the relationship may have been different, it's the same God. It's the same faith. And that's what um, this writer is trying to get us to see as he gives us each one of these examples. In verse 8, we see the object of faith. We, that's the last lesson we saw about Abraham and how he was called to go out into a place where he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. So we see that in, in Abraham, the object of faith, that God and God's promise was enough for Abraham. And he acted on that. So we see, again, we see that action. We see belief. We see a testimony tied to the faith. So if you don't have a faith that has action, a faith that has a testimony, a faith that you know responds positively to God's instruction, then that's not the faith we're talking about. We're talking about the faith that comes in salvation. And the faith that comes in salvation is the same for everyone who is a believer. And so we saw with Abraham the object of faith, and that was God's promise. And we also saw the sojourn of faith. That was another thing that came out of the last lesson, that he sojourned in a, in a foreign land, right? And we, just like Abraham, look for better things promised to us. That's what, that's, why, that's what 
encouraged Abraham to continue on in a strange country is that God made a promise that he was going to give him these things. And Abraham believed those promises and he acted on that belief. And we have the same thing. We, we have better things and promises that have been secured for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Abraham, under the old covenant and the nation Israel, they had the land, the seed, and the blessing. All things that are tied to the earth, but they're all things that are promised to them that they will receive. A thousand-year kingdom here on earth, uh, the uh, seed um, of David, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself to rule over them and the blessing of having all the, the blessings associated with fellowship and a relationship with the one and true God. Uh, and we as believers, what do we have? Do we have a land? No, we don't have a land. We have heavenly promises, heavenly blessings. We get to pass, go and go straight to heaven. We don't have to go on the land and have a thousand years. That's that's the promise that was made to Abraham, and it will be fulfilled. God is faithful. He's going to make sure that that happens. But as believers, the church, this new thing that's been created, we have new Jerusalem out of heaven. We get to go directly to be with the Lord Jesus in that sense. So these are just some of the parallels that I wanted to bring out during, um, that I didn't necessarily bring out during the original study in these passages and i would like for you to kind of look at this and go back and study those things in light of this and see if the lord doesn't bring out even more things than i even pointed out but just to show you that the wealth of um of information that the lord has for us and it's such a comfort when you see how the lord has all of these things to happen for a reason you can make that same application to your life and I can make it to my life when these weird things come up and we're out of the blue that we didn't expect, uh, hard things, challenging things, but we can know that the Lord has this under control. This is part of his will for us. So with that said, let's move into today's lesson, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 11 and 12. So we're going to be looking at Sarah. She's the next example. And what a wonderful example Sarah is. Uh, far more wonderful than I realized before I studied this. And that's how it is with uh, the study of the word. You're going to continue to grow and you're going to see more things. Uh, the Lord like digs a hole in your soul and uses trials and challenges and sometimes hard things to dig a hole in the soil of your soul. And it's a big space left there. And in that space, he fills with good things, you know very good things. So yeah, it's challenging and it's hard to go through sometimes, but you can know and be excited and be joyful to know that there is good that's going to come from it and it's going to make you to grow and he's going to fill you with better things. So with that said, let's take a look. Uh, I'm going to read uh, verse 11 and 12 here. And it says Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 and 12. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude 
and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So I'm reading from the King James Version, by the way. So um, here we see the story of Sarah. Now, there's a lot more that happened with Sarah um, in the book of Genesis, but the writer um, of this letter decides to take out this one part, and he has a reason for that. He says, through faith. So that's what this is about. This is another example of faith and how it worked in the life of a believer. And the same faith is what we have. And it works in our lives the same way. The circumstances may be different, but the faith is the same. Through faith also. So we're going to add Sarah to this list of this roll call. Uh, her, through faith also Sarah herself received strength. That word for strength means uh can be interpreted and i think the um context of this verse supports that it, you interpret it as a miracle she received a miracle right that's that's the only thing you can call that uh when someone is uh has a child past their childbearing age but let's let's think about the context of this account let's do a little mini history lesson so Remember as far back as Adam and Eve, Eve was told that there was going to be one that comes from her that was going to deliver them. There would be a deliverer and that would once and for all deal with sin and uh, put them back into a right relationship with God. And so um, from that point on, she was looking forward to having that person, having that child. So she had no concept as to when that child was born. Faith told her, well, this, this child is going to be born for me. The next child I have, you know, so that's what she thought. And so think about how that was so important. Once she saw what happened to them and sin and how terrible sin is and what it did. We have no concept like she did. Her and Adam lived in a world unaffected by sin. And then they saw the difference when sin came into the world. So they saw, they could see the tragedy of it far better than we can. You know, we live a long life and the longer your life is, the more you're going to be conscious of the tragedy of sin. That's the way it works. Because as you get older and older, you can see the effects of sin on society, on the world, and you get a better perspective. Well, she got her and Adam got that right away. So they would have been excited about uh, this deliverer being born. So think about that. That was translated over time, kind of like the telephone game from one woman to the next woman, that expectation of having the one who was going to deliver everybody from this evil, uh, the sin that had taken over the world. So that was the expectation. Well, now we move all the way up to Sarah. Several generations down, we get to Sarah. And Sarah has no child. She was barren. And so to be a woman and have no child back then was a tragedy. That was tragic. And it was horrible, you know, to live in that time and not to be able to give your uh, husband a child, uh, particularly a son. And so she, that was a state that she was in. But it says here, 
that by faith she received a miracle. Now people don't, I think people don't understand what a miracle is or appreciate miracles, but miracles happen all the time. If you were just to sit back and to really pray about it and ask the Lord to open your eyes to see them, he performs miracles quite often. The fact that we are together studying his word several thousand years from him coming to this earth, that he's preserved his word, he's preserved his testimony throughout all of this time, that's a miracle. That's a miracle in and of itself. But here we see a particular miracle that happened with Sarah, that she had the strength to conceive seed. So she was given this ability to conceive um, seed because that's one of the promises that God made to Abraham that I'm going to give you a, 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 a seed and from that seed, it's going to multiply. And so Abraham uh, held on to that. And here we see that that ministry came to Sarah and she believed. It says that she was given strength to conceive seed and was delivered a child. So that word delivered means she brought forth a child. So normally, you know, that wouldn't be a miracle because women have children all the time. They're constantly having babies. But there was something that made this a miracle. And God creates scenarios. I'm going to repeat that. God creates scenarios to show his power, his grace, and his provision. And that's the thing. We don't like those scenarios sometimes. They get a little tight and uncomfortable. But you have to keep in mind, he's creating this situation, this scenario, so that you can see his power and you can be comforted in knowing that when you can't figure it out, he already has it figured out. And that's what happened here. He didn't allow Sarah to have a child until the appointed time because he had a purpose in her suffering. Yes, she suffered. Yes, it was hard. Yes, she was mocked. I mean, for several years. And she had to bear the weight of that for years, her and Abraham. But God had a purpose in that suffering. He was creating a scenario that would show forth his ability, his power, and his faithfulness. It says that she brought forth a child when she was past age. Meaning, and I'm going to try to be as delicate as I can, that Sarah no longer had a cycle. So, yes, they lived to be you know, very old back then. I think Moses lived to be 120 years old. Uh, Abraham lived to be um, older than that. And, you know, the further you go back, the older they were. But it would seem that the function, the body and the way it functioned was similar to the way it is now. That at a certain point, Sarah was not able to bear a child. You know, her cycle stopped. And so she was considered barren. 
right? That's what it was. She was past age. She was past the age to bear a child or to conceive. But it says here that uh, she did conceive and that God made a miracle. But the, the part that we need to focus on is not so much the miracle, but that she believed God. That her belief was directly tied to this miracle. And the same thing is true for us. God is going to do what God is going to do. I promise you that. And he promises you that. He is faithful to his word. We get afraid. We get intimidated by circumstances, by what's going around, going on around us. But God is not moved by any of those things. And it would serve us well to rest in faith, believing this, that God has created this scenario for our benefit. And my old pastor used to say, it might not feel good, it might not taste good, it might not smell good, but you can believe that God is going to make it for your good. And the same thing was true with Sarah here. He created this situation, and even though it, you know, it started off with her uh, in the night, she wound up in the day. You know, that's 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 the way these things work, and that's how we learn. It says uh, that she believed uh, through faith, Sarah herself received this miracle. And it says, because she judged him faithful who had promised. That's the bottom line. That's the where we need to be um, on a daily basis. We have to believe him and know that he's faithful who promised. And we have a whole Bible full of promises. And if you just find any one of those promises, you can hang your whole life on any one of them. Right. But there's so many more than just one. There's so many promises uh, that have been made for us that we can that we can hold on to that that are an anchor to our soul that feed our faith. So we have this. This is something that we have. And we see it in the life of Sarah that 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 she judged him faithful who had promised. So how do we know that? How do we know that she believed God and, and that's why she received this, this miracle and was able to see? Because if the evidence is in that she took action, she's displaying again, like we said before, the action of faith, just like Noah. She acted on that belief. She expected a child. So when she went to her husband and said, we're going to have a child, they did what needs to be done to have a child. And she wouldn't have done that unless she believed that there was going to be a child that came from that um, relationship. And that's the action that she took because she believed. she Because she judged him faithful who had promised. And something so simple, something so uh, natural as a husband and a wife having a child. But the supernatural part of it is that they both were beyond the age to conceive. And that's where the miracle came in. And also we see the object of faith. What was the object of her faith? God and his promises. 
She believed in his word. We have those same truths laid out to us. So what was the result? Next, we see in verse 12, the result of her faith. It says, therefore, sprang even one and him as dead. So therefore, when you see that, you're supposed to ask yourself, what is it there for? It's connecting what was just said. So because she believed, because she judged him who was faithful, who had promised, therefore, as a result, this miracle happened and uh, there sprang even one in him as dead. So who is that? Who is this one that sprang? It's not Abraham. You know, no, that's not that's not the one that sprang from her. Who is this and him? Therefore sprang there even one and him as dead. They're talking about here. The, the writer is talking about Isaac. Isaac is the one that came from this act of faith. So why does it say um, therefore sprang there even one and him as dead? What's what's the connection to Isaac and being dead. Well, the account is in scripture of when uh, God went to Abraham and told him to go sacrifice his son, Isaac. And it was a it was a test of faith for Abraham to do this. And Abraham did it. He went uh, to make the sacrifice. And, you know, Isaac was about 30 years old at the time. It says, you know, the lad, but he was about 30 years old at the time. So he was a grown man, but him and his father went and he asked his dad, he says, I see the wood, you know, but where's the sacrifice? And uh, Abraham told him, God will provide the sacrifice. And so why would Abraham be willing to sacrifice his son? Why would he do that? Well, we know from studying that, Scripture is because he believed that God is going to was going to raise him up to dead from the dead because God said I'm from this Isaac I'm going to uh, bless you and 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 bring you a multitude of descendants from this man Isaac so logically Abraham said okay well then if you're going to have me sacrifice him you must be going to bring him back from the dead so he expected uh, God to resurrect his son. So he was going to go through with it. And God stopped him, of course. And there was a ram caught in the thicket. And he said, hey, sacrifice the ram. So in doing that, it said, and him as dead. So the there's a reference here to the sacrifice of Abraham's firstborn, his only son. Can you see the parallel now? Are you getting chills like I'm getting chills? This account was given to us to reveal to us that there was one that was going to come from this multitude, the seed of Abraham. And this one was going to be the deliverer. And the writer to the Hebrews is showing that that one is Jesus. He's showing that 
these significant things that happened in the life in the life of Jesus that these people witnessed firsthand. They saw these things. They saw the miracles. They saw that he was resurrected. And he's saying, look, guys, these are the proofs that this is our Messiah. Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he's doing that for them. And he's doing it for us. Right. He's showing us that this is the faith that we've been called into. And this is the faith that um, is expected of us that we're to walk by that faith, just like these people did, just like Sarah and just like Abraham and Isaac. And it says that uh, and him as dead as the stars of the sky in multitude, meaning the ones that came from that one who was dead were as the stars of the sky in multitude. So I did a little research to see how many stars are in the known universe. That number came to 200 billion trillion. Now, I can't conceive of a number that high, but that's what, you know, the research said. Now, that's now. We don't know how many stars have existed that no longer exist, that, you know, are are gone. Uh, and even the stars that we see, a number of them are, that's just a light just now reaching us, that if we were to follow that light back, the trail that it came, that there would be no star there. So that's what they're able to come up with, 200 billion trillion. And that's, um, that's less than the number of the descendants of those who, were born of Abraham, not just his literal seed, but those who are Abraham's descendants by faith, those who have been brought into a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So that number is beyond comprehension. These are the number of, that came from this one man, Abraham. And not only his physical descendancy, but his spiritual descendancy and those who would walk by faith and be in a right relationship with God today through the Lord Jesus. So yeah, Sarah received a miracle. It's a, the account of it is right here. Uh, she was delivered from the shame of being barren. Okay, that's what we call the near view result. That's what happened in her immediate life. But we can't miss the parallels that are so plainly presented that just as God by faith brought life from the deadness of Sarah, and just like Isaac was delivered as the only son of promise back into the hands of his father Abraham, we can see those same parallels in the life of the Lord Jesus. Jesus has fulfilled the ministry of being the Lamb of God. And he was resurrected, brought back from the dead the third day. And in him, uh, through faith, we have eternal life. And not just us, but everyone who believes. We cannot downplay the significance of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. His life, very important. We have four accounts of his life in um, 
the Gospels. His death, very important. We have in, in the Gospels, all of them have an account of his crucifixion. But his resurrection is the key to our faith. The resurrection is the evidence that the Father received him as the Lamb of God. That his sacrifice on behalf of all of those whom the Father gave him was accepted. And so therefore we're accepted in Christ. Now we live in Christ. We, Our lives are uh, to be lived for him and in him. And the only way we can do that is through faith. Faith is what ties us, is the evidence of things unseen, the things, the promises that await us. And when we walk by faith, we testify to the world, the people around us who don't believe of our belief. You know, they see it. They may not tell you they see it. They may not say anything, but they see it. It's evident. They may not understand it. And that's where we get the opportunity when the Lord opens up that that door of opportunity to speak to them. And we get to tell them, well, why do I believe what I believe? Or why do I do what I do? It's because of the faith that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether or not they understand that, it's our job to be a witness and a testimony. And you're going to be a witness and a testimony if you walk by faith. You don't even have to be conscious of it. And you're going to be a witness and a testimony. Sarah was a witness and a testimony. People throughout history were talking about this woman who was barren and yet had a child. It was miraculous. Miracles testify to the power of God. We are his miracles. The things that he's doing in our lives testify to his power. And all we have to do is believe and walk by faith. And we have all these examples. Um, the writer here is painting a picture, I believe. And I hope that pointing out all these parallels, you're able to see that the writer is painting this picture so that we can understand. Um, we have to be able to see the wisdom and the knowledge of God in the events that has taken a place in the lives of his people. That's why I believe the writer is pointing out these well-known stories or accounts of people who simply trusted God. These parallels are not a coincidence, but they're purposed. Well, how do we know that it's not a coincidence? How do we know that these things happen for a reason? Because the word of God tells us that in Romans 15, 4. It says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. That's the purpose of these things. That's why the writer is pointing them out because these accounts, these things happen. Why were these things recorded? There's so many things that happened in the, the lives of God's people. But these particular things were recorded for our benefit so that we can, we can draw comfort from knowing that if God was faithful to these people, he's going to be faithful to us. If they could walk this walk by faith, 
We have the same faith. We can do the same thing. We, we can be encouraged and we, it gives us hope and patience. Not patience that says I'm going to wait around until it's time for whatever. It's the kind of patience that endures. An enduring patience. The kind of patience that says, yes, this is a hard thing that I have to face, but I trust the Lord through it. That kind of patience. And not the kind of hope that says, well, I hope this happened. But it's a sure hope. A hope that's based on what? The promises of God. Okay, it's a sure hope that we have in him. So whatever you're facing right now, and I know you're facing something, because if you're um, living a life of faith, if you're doing that, you're striving against sin, you're pursuing this life of faith, I know that there's a struggle. You're going to struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? You're, you're going to struggle with one of those three or all three. Because that's what we've been called to. That's the, the walk of faith. That's that steady progression through life where we grow in grace. So here's our comfort doing those hard things. Here's your comfort. Here's my comfort. It's the scriptures. That's our comfort. When we look in everything, nothing makes sense. The scriptures make sense. The scriptures help us make sense of this life of faith. And only through God the Holy Spirit's ministry can that be true. These scriptures these scriptures were recorded to show that God in Christ knows what you're going through. He knows. He says to be comforted. Be comforted knowing that the same God that worked in the lives of these believers in the past and perform these miracles, miraculous things, is the same one who we serve. The difference now is we know him as Jesus. Not as Elohim, not as Jehovah Jireh, but we know him as Jesus, the Savior. We have a personal relationship with him through God the Holy Spirit. And we have his comfort of his word. We can hear his voice say, you know, be comforted. Be not afraid. Trust me. We can hear that voice talking to us and comforting us through all these things that, that we face in this life. So none of this is strange, although it may seem strange. But these things were given to us. We have to know that. These things that come in our lives, they were given to us and they allow us to grow in faith. That's that's the charge that we have is to grow in faith, faith in the knowledge of God. And how do we do that? A steady progression through the guidance and the light provided in Christ through his word. That's the key. And that's why we have this study. That's why we study the word together so that we can be comforted, so that we can encourage one another so that we can be empowered to accomplish all the things that he has for us to accomplish because he has this race set before us to run and each one of us will run. And at the end of that, you're going to hear for sure because he says that he's going to make it happen. You're going to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He's going to work that in you. No matter how many times you stumble, 
he's going to pick you up and he's going to set you back on the course. And at the end of that, you're going to be exactly who he has willed for you to be. He is faithful to complete that in our lives. We just need to trust him and walk in faith. So we know through scripture, we have one faith, just like they had, same faith. One word, just the same word that they had, we have today, one God. And his name is Jesus, the Messiah. We know him by name, just like these people knew him by name, we know him by name. So be comforted in that. That's close. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Give us patience and comfort. And Father, help us to just trust your word. By your power and grace, the power that spoke the world, the universe into existence out of nothing, Remind us, Father, that we have access to you, the one who has that power. That we will get our eyes off the situation and the things around us and look to you and rejoice. Rejoice in the, the hope that we have, the sure hope of being with you, the heavenly blessings that await us. Help us, Father, to grasp that and may it uh, cause us to live a life that glorifies you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.